Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, I was joined by Laren McKay, Head of Business Development at Argo AI. They are on a mission to make the world's streets and roadways safe, accessible, and useful for all through the power of self-driving technology. Laren and I talked all about what they're doing at Argo, the landscape of autonomous technology, embracing a culture of safety, and why self-driving technology has profound potential to transform the way we live and move. But you might be asking, what about safety? We got into that as well. So it was a fascinating episode, um, like taking a little glimpse into the future. And I guarantee we're going to be talking more and more about autonomous vehicles in supply chain. So if you listened, I hope you enjoyed it. But if you missed it, you can catch up over on letstalksupplychain.com, our YouTube channel, or anywhere else that you subscribe to the show. It was episode 274. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. And now a word from our sponsor. It's time to take control over your supply chain with Cavallo. Cavallo is a distribution management solutions provider founded by an experienced distributor who spent two decades perfecting and optimizing Cavallo's high-powered user-friendly software. Cavallo offers the ability to have complete control of your process with automated workflows that offer business rules and alert logic that will streamline your distribution operations. Leverage Cavallo's state-of-the-art business intelligent platform that provides real-time intelligence of your customers' orders, alerting you if they are out of compliance or even better, bringing awareness to areas in your business that are driving exceptional value. With a data-driven approach to supply chain management, Cavallo enables a network of cloud, on-prem, and integrated solutions that offer a path to excellence no matter where you are in your technical journey. For more information on how to accelerate growth with Cavallo's business intelligent platform and its game-changing distribution management software, visit Cavallo, C-A-V-A-L-L-O.com today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. It is the beginning of another month, and I'm excited to welcome a woman in supply chain who has two core missions, to provide reliable, cost-effective transportation services through her own logistics brand, and to champion the power of diversity in supply chain. Any idea who it is? Well, I'll let you know after the poll of the week, and this poll of the week got people talking. We had 524 votes, and the question was, what do you think most attracts the future of supply chain to future roles? For a tie at 43%, we had companies, culture, imprint, and salary and benefits. 8% said easy application. 6% said vibe of the interview. Now, it was interesting because in the comments, things got a little bit crazy. Nate says, I think it's none of the above. I mean, it's all of the above, but those are becoming table stakes for any job. We're talking about an industry. How do we attract the generation that's just now or about to enter the workforce to the world of supply chain? 
And he went on to saying all sorts of stuff about being a good leader and what that looks like and how we attract. And Nate, awesome job. And then Audrey came back and said, how do we get people to intentionally choose it versus how most of us stumbled into it? Then we realized that it fed our purpose to problem solve, mitigate risk, and enjoy a dynamic, ever-changing daily experience. For sure, agree, a lot of the above are low bar and to attract talent, companies need to level up. It's interesting that we're saying that it's low bar, but we had 524 votes and not a lot of comments. And so, and with that 43% saying that salary and benefits companies culture imprint, um, that's a really interesting stat. Ryan says, my first thought was salary and benefits, but when I think about people who want to work for an airline or for a consumer product like Apple, I feel like the attraction is more based on what the company makes, their brand, the interesting work and products and services they offer, which is very, very interesting. Thank you for that. And Paula said, I just wished every job posting would include a salary range. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Paula, for bringing that up. Michael also says none of the above. And Dan asked him, so then what would they be? And Michael came back and said, the love of the profession, the challenges it offers you, the growth opportunities and the diverse disciplines that encompass all supply chain and many more, which I do agree with that. However, how do you know until you get really into the industry? I guess that's really on the onus of somebody looking to come into supply chain to talk to some people to find out what it's really, really like. Pauline says the reality of the JD versus the actual roles advertising, who your boss is and how they operate. Are they a leader or a manager? Acknowledging that a degree isn't needed. Plenty of those with experience, yet companies are obsessed with degrees and advertise that it is a requirement. And the ability for candidates to provide solutions to issues raised is far more important than a degree. That women have a seat at the table and are actually heard. Now, Paula, we really, or Pauline, we really love that. And thank you so much to everybody who weighed in on the question of the week. We ask these questions. Sometimes we have fun. Sometimes we ask serious questions like this. Sometimes we ask supply chain questions because we really want to get that conversation going. And we appreciate everybody for being a part of that conversation and coming back every single Wednesday morning. So now back to today's podcast and the amazing woman in supply chain I have with me today is a Amani Radman. Born in Somalia, Amani moved to the U.S. and achieved a degree in supply chain logistics, management, and leadership from Portland State University before going on to establish a successful corporate career. Having gained extensive experience across supplier management, business processes, and operations, Amani went on to found her own business. Malio Logistics, Minnesota's premier logistics company specializing in freight brokerage and transportation services. Today, Amani will be talking to us about her career so far, moving out of the corporate world to found her own business, taking a family approach to logistics, and the importance of diversity in industry. Plus, she'll be sharing her experiences as a woman in supply chain, as well as her words of advice for all the women following in her footsteps. Now, this woman in supply chain feature was made possible by our sponsor, Emerge. As a company focused on empowering and growing meaningful supply chain relationships, Emerge is proud to sponsor women in supply chain. Through its freight procurement platform, Emerge offers solutions that enhance the spot and contract procurement process, enabling shippers and carriers to make more strategic decisions. So welcome to the show, Amani. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. 
I am so excited to have you here. I mean, you and I only met a few short months ago at TPM, but I feel like we've known each other for a very long time, and it makes me very happy to have you as a part of the Woman in Supply Chain series. And we've done a few things since then. You, I mean, you joined us on a panel of Blended back in May when we talked all about DEI in the workplace, and you were fantastic. You had so many interesting things to share with us, and you've been on Thoughts and Coffee with Audrey hosting as well. So I'm thrilled to be putting a focus on just you today and to be finding out a little bit more more about your journey. So if I remember correctly, you are originally from Somalia. Now, I'll be honest and say it's not a country that I really know a lot about. So tell us, what was your experience like growing up there and how and why did you move to the States? So I came into the United States. So I'm originally from Somalia, Mogadishu specifically. And uh, I came to the United States um, in 2005. I think I was 18 at the time. And, you know, um, my, you know, I moved here by myself wow. um, without family, without anybody and kind of, you know, didn't speak really well English, literally had to start from scratch and, and really build myself up. So my journey has been, you know, when I look back, sometimes I'm like, oh, my God, how did I get through that? And, and I'm right. just super excited where I am today. I could never imagine myself where I am today. So the opportunities that I've been given, I definitely took each and every one of those. (laughs) Well, and it takes so much courage. I mean, you were extremely brave, you know, from, for leaving your family and for coming to a country where you didn't even really know the language, right. And really making a name for yourself and carving out the opportunities that you have today. Right. Yes. 100%. Yes. I, I mean, I'm a mom you know, I, I, I teach my kids, you know, I, I, kind of having that journey of, you know, things come when they're supposed to, as long as you do the, you do the work, it's going to fall into places for sure. Awesome. I love that. And that's got to be so inspiring to a lot of people who have either done the same thing or, or maybe are thinking about doing it that are listening in the audience today. And that's one of the reasons why I love doing this series. Now, you have a degree in supply chain logistics and management. And honestly, that's quite rare for the show, right? So often I speak to people who've fallen into supply chain like me (laughs) or pivoted from other areas. So what was it about supply chain that you were drawn to? And as a woman and as an immigrant, it must have been maybe a little bit of an intimidating industry to pursue, right? Yeah. So I kind of fell into it as well. So I actually used to go to San Diego State University and uh, majoring in international business. Okay. uh, At the time I was married and we all moved to Oregon. And so as I went to transfer, they didn't have an international business kind of degree, but I remember speaking to the counselors there and they kind of like, you know, supply chain and PSU was one of the number one, you know, logistics and just talking in and I was like, you know what, coming from Somalia, I want to be able to connect the dots between the U.S. and, and Somalia. And what is the best way to do that with logistics? Because there's always transport. So I fell into it. And it's weird because my degree actually is what I've been living. You know, you, sometimes people do the degree. Yeah. And they go a different route. I've been in my degree and, and, and uh, expertise and learning all in supply chain. 
and you love it, right? I mean, the first time I met you, like, you, the passion just sort of reson- uh, radiates from you. And also your empathy. You and I were talking about something kind of personal to me. And we had only met each other like half an hour before. And, you know, we really bonded over our love of supply chain, right? Yes. Like, I'm an empath, right? So I can feel emotions from a distance and and. And 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 I do everything with so much with so much passion. If I if I can if I don't have the passion, I usually just don't get myself into it. So it, it has to come with love. It has to come with because when the nights get tough, when things get hard, it's the love that's gonna push you through those nights, right? Who that just hit me like totally to the core. Oh, and I you and I connected, that. right? Because you were going through something very personal during that time. And mm-hmm. I remember crying when you were mm-hmm. telling me. And so I just felt like after that, that, you know, I just gained another sister in supply chain for sure. Yes, we're totally bonded. And honestly, for the audience, for the next generation, for other women that are in this industry, hearing you say that, um, because it is very male dominated and we don't talk about the love, but the industry is really about people and it's about people coming together and making an impact and doing great things for the world, right? And and globally. And uh, I just love hearing you say that. So can you tell us a little bit about your experience with Columbia Sportswear? What kind of work did you do for them? And I'm, I'm guessing it was in supply chain. <laughs> yeah. So Columbia Sportswear, I don't know if you know kind of the background, right? It was owned by a woman who started it, you know, 90 something years ago. I had and, no idea. you know, Gert, uh, we, you know, just passed away recently, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So she was the woman that started this from scratch, right? And wow. really paved the way. And, and and coming in from like a male-dominant company, which I came from Boeing at the time and moved into Columbia, all the leadership, like the VPs, the directors, everybody was a woman. And so your leadership was really driven by, uh, by, that, by that. So I worked in, uh, you know, TMS systems. I did IT in there as well, kind of implementations. But I've also, you know, helped the retail team create a lot of pool point distribution centers and and all that good stuff. So Columbia has really shown me what it is, you know, what it is to be a woman in supply chain and 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 how to take this to the next level. I love that. And every woman that I have met that who's who's ever worked at Columbia, especially in supply chain, has been fantastic. And so yeah. it just sounds like a great culture, really. And as a part of your journey, being able to work in an organization like that must have had just an incredible impact, right? Being able to you know, see women in all variety of levels of a corporation and, you know, being inspired by them, right? Yeah. I mean, I remember, you know, I'm going to mention her name because she made a lot of impact in my life, Angie Eastbourne. I mean, a lot of people kind of saw her as this like very feisty, strong woman. And a lot of people didn't like that, right? Because a woman's Mm. not supposed to be that way, you know, but I took her energy and, 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 and she used to guide me and, and and really mentor me and say, you do have that strong personality of dealing with this industry where it's so tough for us women to really pave the way because it's such a close niche where, you know, they see you come from a distance and they're not really open. And I've seen the struggles that I, I you know, moving into my own journey as well. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and we're going to talk about that. But you did mention Boeing, so we, I think we need to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. And I think that you worked in supplier management. We seem to be talking more and more about supplier management these days, right? Because it's so tied into key conversations around diversity, visibility, sustainability. What are your thoughts about the growing dialogue around and the increasing awareness of the importance of supplier management? Is there anything we can kind of learn from what they're doing? doing and your time and what you did at Boeing? I mean, Boeing was kind of the start of my career. You know, I interned there right out of college and, you know, kind of stayed there, you know, offered me a position and and and, and really taught me starting off at, at, at a technology base where working with the best engineers. But one thing that Boeing did really well during my time there was they really gave opportunities to small business owners from, hmm. from a perspective like of, of parts and, and, and they were part of making the airplane. So a lot of the parts that came from the manufacturer suppliers were like small company owners, minorities. Um, they gave them, you know, they're, you know, they're one of the biggest company in the world. They didn't have to do that, but they have a whole area where spends people like me to give them opportunity and guide them through their journey. I mean, Honestly, I don't think any company did it as good as Boeing did. And I don't think they really share that as much. Yeah. And I think it's so important, right? I've I've been a part of a lot of conversations where we're talking about supplier diversity and we're talking about larger organizations like a Boeing working with a smaller business or a diverse supplier. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to dive a little bit more into that with your business as well. But it's really important not only for the opportunity, but for you to really think about that small business. If you're working in an enterprise and you're working with a small business, what does that need to look like? Well, the payment terms can't be 90 days yeah. because then they're just not going to be in business next time you pick up the yeah, phone for sure. I mean, let's just be real. Let's just be honest. Let's just put it out there because this is what we're talking about. And it's really, really important stuff. And the contract that you send over cannot be like this. And they have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on a lawyer to just get through it or go yeah. back and forth because there's some clauses in there. I mean, let's get real here, people. You really want to help smaller suppliers, diverse suppliers. These are the things that you have to do and that you have to think about. You got to make concessions on, right? And so did you see a lot of that? Was that something that sort of helped you in your supplier diversity journey? Because you're a diverse supplier and we're, we're going to talk about your business in a minute, but I would imagine that that kind of helped you as well. Oh yeah, for sure. Because one of the things that people don't understand is think of it like a mentorship program, right? As you incorporate, yeah. you mentor the people that are coming in the industry. And, and, and so think of the small businesses that are coming in as a mentor. So if you are a big business owner, think of us small, like as a mentor. So the more you mentor us, the more we become bigger and the more we can support you, you can literally customize us the way you want to, and we can become everything. But I think there's this perception like, oh, they're small, so they're not going to perform the way I want to. So I'm going to a bigger company. But actually, you're going to get more personalized, more um, touch when you're working with a smaller company. And and at the same time, you make an impact. So if you've really helped them pave the way and you've been part of their journey, they will always be thankful and they will always mention you. And wouldn't you want your name on something that's coming up? I mean, I would. 
Yeah. Yeah. And actually, it's really interesting because I recently had Laura Ciceri on my Thoughts and Coffee, my live stream show that happens every Tuesday morning. And we talked about how Revlon um, is actually claiming bankruptcy because of supply chain disruptions. And what she said was that small to medium-sized businesses are actually poised to do way better because of the flexibility, the agility um, over an enterprise company that just can't absorb a lot of the shocks that are coming down the supply chain from all of the disruptions that are happening. And so really something to think about when you're thinking about supplier diversity, when you're thinking about the risk to your supply chain, the risks to your business, um, definitely a lot to consider there. And so a couple of years later, after Boeing, I think, or, or Columbia, you founded, is it Malio or Malio Logistics? It's Malao Logistics. Oh, Malau. Okay. Totally my bad. So you founded Malau Logistics. And I know you said like you were excited to move when we, when we spoke earlier this year, you were excited to move from corporate to owned, right? What made you take the leap and what challenges or inefficiencies have you kind of noticed in the market that made you think I can do that and I'm sure I can do it better? I mean, one of the things in corporate is things move so slow, right? So when you know there's an impact that's going to help the company move up the chain, there's has to go into so many leadership and has to have so many authorizations before we can go there. So by the time leadership already decided that we need to move forward, we're already behind in the supply chain. So the supply chain doesn't wait for you to do your work or for you to approve something. Some things you're going to have to do the Let's do it. Just do it the kind of the Nike way, whereas, you know, things come up, we're going to have to go. Right. And so I struggled with that in my career where, you know, I knew that this is needed to make like this change is going to help us and it's going to make us better. But it just moved too slow for me. And Mm -hmm. so uh, coming in from logistics and really touched, you know, all the way from distribution to, you know, after parts coming through China all the way, you know, when the parts were made all the way down to delivering to the stores, having touched that industry. And then also I moved to Minnesota and worked for Sear Robinson. I realized, yo, hey, you have touched each, all the pieces of the supply chain. And now you can take that knowledge and you can make impact that can make quick decisions and we can just move forward. So for me, it was the decision process for sure. Oh, I love that. Supply chain does not have time to be bogged down by bureaucracy. No, it doesn't. Right? No, it does not. (laughs) Like, we don't talk about that enough, but that just, just let that sit for a moment, people, because I think a lot of people are not in their heads right now listening to this episode, because supply chains do not wait for anybody. No, I mean, we've seen it, right, Sarah? I mean, think of COVID, right? Did it, yeah. Did we say, oh, you know, I'm going to stop doing this? No, it's going to go. So you have to always be ready. And I think what happens, a lot of the leadership have been in the role for too long that mm. they don't even really haven't touched many of the pieces. So for me, it was time. It, it, it was definitely time. Love that. So tell us a little bit more about Malau then. What do you do and how do you help your customers? So I started Malao really, it's crazy because I started it right before COVID started. I mean, as, as far as timing, right? I quit my yeah. job and just walked away and said, I'm doing this. And I don't know how the journey will be. I'm just going to go with it. 
I know I have the passion, I have the love, and I with that I don't think I could lose. And so Malao um, Logistics started with the name. So um, where I grew up from, it's uh, called the Berbera Port. It's in Somalia. And so it used to be a thousand years ago, it used to be called Malao. So that's where the name oh, came okay. from. And so when I first started, I was by myself. First of all, my family and everybody thought I was crazy. Like, what are you doing, lady? <laughs> you have kids to feed. You know, you're a single mom. Like, what are you? Are you crazy? And so I said, you know what? I really don't care what anybody says because this is mm-hmm. this is this is something I have to do for me, and I want to help. I want to I want to make an impact. So. Malawi Logistics is a transportation brokerage, right? It's it's really focused on breaking the you know the gap between our carriers and our shippers. There's a big disconnect, especially in the Somali community. So I don't do anything unless it helps and impacts the community. So okay. I don't you know put my name on anything that I don't think will benefit anybody else can benefit from it. And money is not my motivation. So. Um, one of the reasons that it is because majority of the drivers in the Somali community are truck drivers. Okay. And they don't understand what this industry looks like and they don't have a broker at the table fighting for them. So mm-hmm. I decided to open one and fight for the community and fight for those little ones that can't speak for themselves. Amazing. Amazing. I love that. And just the impact. I can only imagine what you're what you're making um, in your community and in the logistics community and supply chain community as a whole, what challenges have you experienced? I mean, there has got to have been some challenges, right? A woman coming to the table, maybe in your community, I don't know, but that could be a challenge in itself. And then also having you fight for all of the drivers, men and women within that Somalian community to really help them succeed so that you can all succeed. And that's one of the things that, you know, is really um, awesome to see is a community of people from a different place coming together in one location to make sure that everybody succeeds. But how, like, what has been those challenges? What have you faced? What, what, what has that looked like? So kind of like the way we are structured is kind of different than your, so one of the biggest thing is I wanted to be different. I didn't want to be compared to the biggest, you know, broker, Seed Robinson and XPO. And I didn't want to be compared to the Somalian because I am not any of those, right? So right. I wanted to create a, a platform where we were just different. So we have, you know, the supply chain, we have the brokerage, we have a carrier that's on the side, we have compliance. We have three parking lots that has 700 trucks of carriers wow. parked. I mean, we are touching every side of the supply chain, right? But the hardest part is, is being accepted in this community, whether it's my own community as a woman coming in, or whether it's just going to like a big event, like TP, you know, the, 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 where we met. So it's, I know the journey is hard and I know, but I, I have to do this for all the women that are coming in. I have to do this for all the women that are in college studying supply chain I want to be that woman that they look up to and say, she did it. Why can I not? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I just got goosebumps. Yes. Goosebumps <laughs> all over. Well, and you mentioned us meeting, or we've, we've, we've said this a couple of times, meeting at TPM. What was that like, you know, being at a conference of over 2,500 people, um, not really seeing anybody 
Um, I, and I don't know, maybe there was, but I remember you and I sort of having that conversation being like, I'm the only one here in a headscarf yep. and I want to see more people here. How do we do that? Like, I remember you turning to me and asking me that question and me saying, well, I've got some ideas and I'm putting them into practice and I hope that we can collectively as, as a community do this. But what was that like for you? I mean, working, so a lot of the companies I worked for were there, right? And so mm-hmm. we wouldn't be the one that were gonna, going to be sent to these events, right? Even if I was right. still with these companies, I know I wasn't going to be sent there, right? So one of the things that I have noticed, so, you know, previous my experience, not wearing a scarf versus wearing a scarf. First of all, they were wondering, people were coming up to me just to curious what company actually sent me there. So- <gasps> People were really? asking me questions. Yes, I was getting, wow. you know, curiosity was bringing people to me and say, oh, what company are you with? And I'm like, oh, well, I'm with Malau Logistics, which is my own company. And they're like, oh, that's why you're here, because you basically brought yourself. And that's the kind of energy wow. that I got being there. But at the same time, I was still blending in because my personality is just so big. So it didn't, it didn't bring me that. I kind of took that as a challenge, right? I took that as, and (laughs) so, and, and, and I think people love that energy that I was, I didn't make myself feel like different. You might look at me different, but I don't see I think I might be able better than you because I probably had more experience than you. I love that. And yeah. so you've been to conferences without a headscarf versus being at a conference with a headscarf. What was that? How different was that experience for you? I mean, and it's got to be so frustrating, I would think, because in one way you were trying to potentially conform. I don't know. Tell us that journey. And then in another way, you've kind of found your authentic self and are comfortable with that. Do you know what I'm trying to say? So there's got to be, like, that's quite a journey. Talk, talk to us about that. I mean, I don't know how my scarf is going to change or help you remove your product, right? I don't know how my scarf is going to hinder you from and, and performing better, right? But one thing I've noticed is that as much as people felt uncomfortable, I also was getting a lot of positive energy, right? So Good. it's, I think it's, Knowing who you are is the most important, no matter where you walk in, because it's carved or or your you know how you are and how you be in between. And because it's a male dominant industry, you know, not using your beauty or on who you are, but using your knowledge and the expertise that you bring into the table, it's very critical. So for me, honestly, I took I enjoyed every moment of it, and and I noticed what was happening, but at the same time. It didn't change anything. Actually, it made me even be more stronger and be more passionate about it, for sure. Awesome. Awesome. And you, when you and I were talking there, it really just reiterated the importance and the impact of the work that I'm doing with the Blended Podcast, which you've been on, and then also with the Blended Pledge. Yeah. You know, being able to provide grants to diverse voices so that you know, people behind you can see maybe you on stage. You know what I mean? And really seeing themselves and people on stage that we can provide, you know, just that fi- that little bit of financial assistance to be like, so you can say yes. So if somebody comes to you and says, listen, Amani, we want you on stage 
to talk about it, but you don't have to decide between food on your children's plate and working in your business that day versus saying yes to a speaking engagement that's going to give you a lot of exposure and things like that. And this is what impassions me (laughs) to really get the word out about Blended Pledge because it makes a difference. It makes a difference for you. It makes a difference for the people that are coming up behind you that see you on stage. It makes a difference for you seeing people on stage. And I don't mean you, I mean, you know, diverse voices in general. Yeah. I mean, like right now, like women in out of you know my community are going and driving trucks i mean come on if that is not a bad ass i don't know what is right <laughs> sorry for my language i mean you, and 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 seeing us we all trying to make an impact and 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 leave something behind right we are yeah. trying and and as we've i've learned so much in the industries i had amazing mentors that got me to where i am today and and I want to give this back. I want to give back. I want to give back to the youth. I want to give back to the young girls. I, you know, I can, I can see myself, Malao, being one of the biggest mentorship, right? Like, really how important that was because without my mentors, I don't think I would be here today. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's so, so very important. For sure. Um, and so I, like, I talk a lot about how women's struggle to find their voice. Now you've talked about being a big personality and like, were you like that your whole life? Did you struggle to find your voice? Um, Did you struggle at all to sort of find your authentic self? And then lastly, you know, what advice do you have for businesses who want to elevate women's voices or attract female talent, but don't really know how to do it? Well, yes, I think, you know, as you grow up, I mean, coming in, I always had a really big personality, but I think sometimes I would just kind of show my big personality to cover up a lot of, you know, things internally, right? That's what we do sometimes. Mm. But I think today I can say I I feel content with everything that I am and who I am. And I believe that everything happens when it's supposed to and when it's supposed to and how it's supposed to. It's the manifestation you got, you're going to have to, I'm a big believer in manifestation is just be intentional, be, you know, don't let any of the negative thoughts of yourselves, you know, hold you back from that, you know, the events that you want to go to. Don't think, you know, I'm not good enough to go to these events. I'm not good enough to go to these places. I was by myself around 2000 and something plus people representing my whole industry of a company. So I don't, I might have been like a little scrumble of cookie over there, but I didn't feel it. So I think being very content of who you are and your dreams and and really, you know, kind of living that day by day, you're going to attract amazing people like Sarah. You're going to attract, you're just going to manifest a lot of amazing people into your life. And as far as the businesses, you know, it's, it's hard, you know, owning your own business is not for everybody. And, and having this passion of, you know, I want to make this big and, and, and you know, you're going to fail. I failed over and over and over again. And I'm expecting to fail over and over and over again. But one thing that you have to know is you have to get up and you have to do it again. And you have to get up and do it again because all the big, like Apple and everybody, all these big companies didn't just make it overnight. And so... Don't give up on your dreams because if you give up on yourself, 
then don't don't expect anyone else to believe in you. Yeah, and it's so true. And I do not like the word failure. I think we need to replace it with like learning. I don't know what the right word is. Yeah, I say it's a roadblock, right? Yeah, yeah. And because it's really just a matter in how you frame it, because they're really learnings, because out of every one of those comes something that you can then do better. Yeah. You can learn from, you can figure out a different way. And like you said, those companies didn't happen overnight, but once they got the success, they had the money to keep failing over and over and over again. And you don't hear about those ones. Yes, you, do, you, do. you don't hear about on a day-to-day basis, how much money they're throwing to ideas that just didn't work. It didn't work. Yeah, that's true. You so know, you just got to put your energy. So as far as money it's it's your energy now. It's it's the energy you put out there. It's your intentions. Is waking up with that positive affirmation that you know I'm gonna do good. I'm gonna give my all today. And then when you go to bed, knowing that you gave your all, you know God is gonna put you in the right places at the right time. And when it's time for you to shine, take the opportunity and go for it for sure. Go for it. Go for so it. what does the future hold for you? I feel like. I feel like it's really, really exciting, um, but I want to know what that looks like for you. What are you kind of working on? What have you got coming down the pipeline that we can, you know, um, follow you on LinkedIn and learn more about what you're doing? So, I mean, we, we've, you know, kind of expanded our team. We merged a couple, you know, two brokers together recently. Uh, nice. We're bringing in a new girl. Her name is Iman. And She's going to be one of my big uh, doing compliance and really teaching the drivers to stay compliant and helping them really, you know, more educational background. But what's coming for Malao is it's going to be big. And I want to, you know, I want to have Malao signs everywhere when it comes to nonprofits, when it comes to working with girls and when it comes to, you know, I kind of see myself like the mother Teresa of supply chain logistics, right? (laughs) And so really being that voice for all the women around the world and doing more speaking and really, really have a place where diversity is, is important. And that's where we bring everyone in. And it's not specific to women only, but I want really be an example. And, I, and if I get that out of anything, then I feel like mission has been accomplished for sure. I love that. Elevating your voice to elevate other voices, to build community in a variety of different ways. And, you know, essentially at the end of the day, supply chain is about community. And, you know, so it doesn't surprise me that you're so community driven because really at the end of the day, that's what supply chain professionals really are all about. Now you've given us so many great tidbits. You've given so much great advice and analogies already. I kind of hate to ask you this for more, but I'm going to ask you for more because there are a lot of women, young women, girls listening to this series that we just want to pump them up. We want to give them some advice. So what would you want to sort of leave them with? What would you want them to take away and maybe put into action from this conversation? I say like if you're just starting and you may be in college and you learn, you know, you're studying supply chain, really, you know, create a mentorship, like find somebody to mentor with, you know, learn as much knowledge and know that supply chain is always moving. That's why it's, it's supply chain. We always, we don't have time to stand still. So don't stand still. 
you know, take advantage of these podcasts and, 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 you know, Hey, if you send me a message, I would love to, you know, connect and, and, and any way I can help, you know, help you. But remember that we are small, but you know what? We have to break that, right? Like any other industry, we have broken it. We can break this and it's going to take all of us holding hands to break this and let them, you know, kind of knock down the door to let us in and, and I would say like the bigger companies, you know, really give your employees that mentorship, give them that that platform where they can be themselves and really bring in their knowledge and, and, and expertise. Because I don't think I knew I had so much will and expertise until I went on myself, because sometimes, you know, you're not allowed to really expand. So expand yourself, learn as much, partner up, listen you know, take all the knowledge and you can, and then whatever it is that you want to do, just go for it. Awesome. And I want to say thank you to you because you've been such an amazing supporter of the Blended Pledge, really, you know, getting the word out there, letting people know that applications are open, letting organizations know that they can have their own grant with us. I mean, you've been so amazing to us as well for the Blended Pledge. So I just wanted to say a quick thank you. And also, where can everybody reach you? What's what's the website for your company? It's uh, www.malaologistics.com. You can send me a message on LinkedIn. Um, you know, if you need help, if you need mentorship, if you're just kind of feeling stuck or you just want to talk, whatever it is, I'm always available. I never say no to anything. I'm always trying to, to be out there for anybody that I can. And I'm hoping that, you know, we can take Malao to the next level because I believe Malao doesn't belong to me alone. It belongs to everybody that can benefit from it. Nice. And that is spelled M-A-L-A-O logistics.com, just in case, because I want to make sure that everybody can get there. And it's such a shame that we have to wrap this up. I think you and I could talk for a very I long know. time. But and I kind of look forward to these things with you, girl. <laughs> Aww, I love it. And it's been such a real pleasure just to, you know, get to know you a little bit more and just hear about your amazing journey. I mean, I get so hyped up over conversations like this one because, you know, when I talk to strong women, you know, setting their minds to things, working hard, making it happen. You are the perfect example of a woman driving your own success, right? But also very much lifting up other women and speaking out when maybe they can't or they haven't found their voice and inspiring them in a variety of different ways you know, just sharing your perspective, being brave, you know, having the courage to even come on this show and share your journey. And so I'm really excited to see how Malao is going to grow because your ethos is spot on and certainly much needed in this industry. So a massive thank you to you, Amani, for joining me today and yes. sharing with all of us your incredible story. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited, guys. And, and just remember, God will put you with the right people. Start with yourself, work on yourself, stay consistent, be intentional in everything you do. And, and trust me, you know, dreams can come true. What are your business's supply chain challenges? Too much inventory on hand? Too many disruptions and stockouts? Are there too many steps and touches involved? If you have a vision for improvement, Fastenal can tailor a solution to help you get there. From automated bins that monitor your inventory 24-7 to vending devices that let you control and track the products that keep your business running. 
Fastenal has the ability and experience to help your supply chain. Go to Fastenal.com forward slash LTSC to see how they do it. Fastenal, where industry meets innovation. If you would like to hear more from us, we have plenty more podcasts for you featuring the best and the brightest in the industry. Head over to our YouTube channel or visit letstalksupplychain.com to check out the latest. And if you have a supply chain challenge, you're looking for a solution, we have most likely had them on the show. So head over to letstalksupplychain.com, use the search bar or the search function, type in your keyword, and it will pull up all the content we have on that, including episodes about solutions and how they help their customers. And remember to come back next week. Gordon from Nyshex is joining me. I've wanted to have this conversation for a number of years, and I cannot wait to bring it to you so you can learn more about what they're doing and how they can help you in your business. If you enjoy the podcast, there's a few ways to support the show. You can follow us. Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're also over on TikTok. And you can subscribe to our channel, Let's Talk Supply Chain, over on YouTube or subscribe to our newsletter over at letstalksupplychain.com. Next, go and visit ships, shipszipz.com and sign up. If you are a forwarder or a shipper that wants to streamline the pricing of your air and ocean freight shipments, plus get tracking and gain access to more choices worldwide and utilize the best of data to reduce your shipping risks, then you won't want to miss out on that platform. You can also find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com. If you want to get that supply chain dictionary for free, DM us talk one over on Let's Talk Supply Chain Instagram and we will send it to you. And remember, if you want to be featured on an upcoming episode, go and rate and review the show over on Apple Podcasts. We would love to hear your feedback great week everyone thanks for listening and remember ship happens